0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I am super excited um, about today, about the talk today. Um, We are in week two of our Shades of Grey series. And so when we, at the onset of this, when we talked about having um, a series, we want to do a series on empathy. A series on understanding where other people are coming from. Having uh, a series on, uh, and a series of discussions circled around that idea. Circled around understanding the other. Not having like an us versus them mentality, but thinking, okay, well why do they feel the way they feel? Why do they think the way they think? Why do they, you know, vote the way that they vote? Why do they do the things that they do? And so last week, Bob started started us off in this conversation talking through cultural empathy as sort of like the foundation and the building blocks for the rest of the series of where we're going to go. Um, he, he, he laid out this idea that, that different isn't wrong. Different doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. And having cultural empathy can really open our minds and, and open our hearts to things that are not the norm for us, and that's oh. Okay. K, that can actually be a good thing, a healthy thing. And so he said, his main takeaway last week that we can build on this morning, his main takeaways last week was that understanding, experiencing, and acting are ways that we can, uh, that we can um, participate in cultu- cultural emp- empathy. Understanding, meaning uh, seek understanding, seek knowledge about the other, and then experiencing, spend time with people that are from different places and different walks of life than you are, and then the final thing was acting, doing something about it, and changing your perspective and changing your life, and so it's very, very cool. Today, we're continuing the conversation, but we're talking about political empathy. Woo, yay, politics and church, my favorite thing, said no one ever, right? Um, We're talking about political empathy today and I'm actually really excited to talk about this stuff. I am not um, like an overtly like politically charged person like I... I'm not a fanboy of politics. I know some people um, that they're really, really into it and they know all the jargon and everything like that. Um, that's not me. And so me talking about these things are almost, I feel like, almost like an outsider perspective looking in to the people that are really, really into it and really like involved in all the things. Now, um, so... so me not even being part of it, me not even really being like heavily into it, can see and know that something is terribly, terribly wrong with the political situation that we have in our country, right? The political climate in our country. Um, I, I wanted to share two things, two posts, real quick before we get started, um, of things that actually popped up in my news feed this week. Uh, two very opposing thoughts, but two posts that showed up in my news feed this week to sort of paint the dichotomy or paint a picture of uh, sort of the the situation that that I'm privy to on Facebook. And I'm sure you guys have something very similar, if not uh, more intense. But um, Matt, go ahead and throw up one of those things. Okay, you went with that one first. Excellent. We're going to come right out the gate with it. Okay, so this was on my news feed this week. Um, The first letter, F, the rest of that word is forget. And I just didn't want to like entice you this morning, so I crossed out the word, the rest of it, that it says forget you guys see that? Can you tell the length of the word is forget? Okay. Um, It says, forget every Republican in office. And if you plan to vote for this fascist, racist, sexist, fake Christian, lying, thieving traitor in November, then forget you too. And then it has like an American flag turning into a Nazi flag with all kinds of um, insinuations and thoughts. And so... um, So I see that in my Facebook feed, and I'm like, dang, I wonder where this person stands politically. You know, like, there's some ambiguity there, huh? Um, And so I got that. And then on on another end of it, go ahead and show this one. This one showed up in my feed this week, too. It says, if anyone watching the State of the Union address can't see the hatred among the Democrats, then something is wrong. Hashtag pure evil. This was my favorite. Hashtag. Devil's Vessels. All right. <laughs> These things are like in my, I'm like scrolling through looking for pictures of babies and puppies and I see this stuff, right? I'm like, what the heck is going, what is going on here? It's just so crazy. And, and the reality is that, I mean, obviously those are two extremes and I didn't even have to pull those like off of some random internet thing that's made up. Those are literal people that I know that posted those and they are like dead serious about it. They're like Hashtag devil's vessels. <laughs> like, why are we even friends on Facebook? Um, but looking at that and getting sort of, you know, that's the landscape in which we find ourselves, right? That's the conversation in which we find ourselves. So well, some of you saw that first one and you're like, amen. And then some of you saw that second one and you were like, amen, right? And, 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 it's crazy because in my news feed, I got both things, and I feel like in my life, in my family, you know, half my family's from the north, half my family's from the south, and all that stuff plays into it. So, like, in my family, I feel like all, I have people all over the spectrum in, in the, the whole political scene, but, but to be honest with you, in our church, in this church, we have people all over the spectrum and the scene, right? We have people that are, like, really hardcore on both sides of the issues, both sides of the aisle, both sides... Of the coin. And so I think in talking about this, um, we need to sort of lay out the goal at the front end of this. The goal for this conversation, the goal for us as Christ followers, the goal for our approach to this discussion of politics in church. And so um, I think today the goal is this, and I, I made a slide for it. The goal is to put our political filter behind our faith filter, to put our political filter behind our faith filter, because when we are able to do that, when we're able to use our faith filter first, before we get to our political filter, when we're able to do that, that empowers us to disagree politically and love unconditionally. Those things can cohabitate. You can disagree politically and love unconditionally. But I believe the only way that that can happen is if our faith filter is in front of our political filter. Our political filter is behind our faith filter. So we have to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to evaluate our politics through the filter of our faith? Are we willing to evaluate our politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version of our faith that supports your politics. Do you guys understand the difference in that? Filter our politics through our faith rather than creating a version of your faith that supports your politics. For some reason, right now, now I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that this polarization of of politics and all that stuff is new to this campaign or new to the previous campaign or new even to my lifetime. It's always been, you know, this side said that and that side said this and whatever, you know? It's always been that way. But the marriage of the church and politics in recent years has been like, what in the world? What in the world is going on? What in the world is is happening Here, rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics, we need to be willing to evaluate our politics through the filter of our faith. Because the reality is this the Republicans will say, Yes, Jesus would be a Republican because of his values. Jesus, if he walked the earth, he would be a Republican. The Democrats would say, Yes, Jesus would be a Democrat because of his care and concern for people, right? And people have all these ideas and taking pieces of Jesus here and there. If I was charged to preach a sermon that says, Hey, Sam, I want you to do a talk about how the Republican platform is in sync with Jesus. I could go to this book, and I could take some stuff from it, and I could preach a totally sound sermon how the Republican values are in sync with Jesus. I can do that. If I was charged, Hey, Sam. I want you to preach a sermon about how the democratic platform is, is totally lines up with the teachings of Jesus and is in sync with the gospel. I could go to this book and I could pull some stuff out and I could give you a very convincing talk about how Jesus was a democrat and Jesus is a democrat and he loves everything about the democrats and all that stuff. I, I could do it on both sides. And most pastors could do it on both sides. Anyone can do it on both sides because when you interpret the words of Jesus... Through a political filter, it's amazing what you can pull out of this book. It's amazing. And anybody can do it. When you put the political filter first and then approach the scriptures, you can make it say whatever you want it to say. And both sides do. And they use it. And they preach it. And they teach it. And they do their thing with it. And, and, and it's crazy. There's a, there's a pastor in Georgia. The way he says it is funny. His name's is Andy Stanley. He says, uh, talking about Jesus, he says, He is so red. He is so Blue, it's amazing how often Jesus agrees with you. And if you don't know what that is, that's a middle aged white man dropping bars in South Georgia. Okay? (laughs) You know, but the reality is, when you look at the Bible, you can make Jesus say what you want him to say if your filter and your lens is from that perspective. If you come at this thing saying, What politically can I pull out of this? rather than saying, Let me look at Jesus and see what that says about politics. Let me look at the Bible and see how that informs my politics, rather than my politics looking for something to support what I've already decided. Does that make sense? And so it's important for us to know the goal at the onset. Now, in John chapter 13, just kind of working through this conversation. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, it's going to come on the screen in a second. Jesus is talking, and uh, he's talking to his people, his disciples and all this stuff. Uh, He's talking, uh, this is right after, I'm pretty sure, yeah, this is right after he washes their feet and he's predicting his betrayal and he's talking to him about how Peter's going to deny him and all this stuff. And so he's telling them about all the events of, of the crucifixion and the trial and all this stuff's about to happen. And he's letting them know, hey, I'm about to leave the earth and, and you know, my time of ministry here on earth is done and all this stuff. And so Jesus is really like kind of laying it all out there for, for his, little, his little crew, his little posse. And uh, he says in, in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, he says, A new command I give you, love love. One another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, this is interesting. Um, He says, a new command I give you. The reason he's using this language is he's talking to a bunch of dudes in the Middle East. And in the Middle East at this time, everyone was ruled and reigned by their culture and by their religion. And their culture and their religion gave them commands of how to live. You know, the Middle Eastern Jews at this time followed the Torah, which was like 613 commands or laws that you had to abide by. So when you wake up, you woke up a certain way according to what the commands were. What you ate that day was according to what the commands said that you ate. How you spent your time, what you did at certain times of the day and faced certain directions to pray and prayed certain things and the people you hung out with, the people you talked to, the people you didn't hang out with or talk to, all the things that you did and didn't do were dictated by these commands, cultural and religious commands that sort of guided your life, right? Right? When Rich and I were in Israel a few weeks ago, it was incredible to see this firsthand because it's still like that. You could walk through Jerusalem and you could see certain sects of Judaism and certain Jews that are wearing certain things because of their belief systems and doing certain things because of their belief systems and not doing certain things because of their belief systems and all these different commands and rules and regulations that really sort of uh, sort of protect culture and shape everyday life. This is what these guys are coming out of that Jesus is talking to. And so when he says to them, a new command I give you. This carries a lot more weight than him just like sitting back lounging at the table like, you know, hippie Jesus. Like, hey guys, I got a new idea, right? Like that's not what's happening here. He's saying, this is the thing that you need to shape your life after now. This is the thing that is the most important. When you wake up, you're thinking about it. When you're brushing your teeth, you're thinking about it. When you're eating your food, you're thinking about it. When you're interacting with people, you're thinking about it. When you're going to work, you're thinking about it. When you get dressed, you're thinking about it. When you're carrying yourself through the streets, you're thinking about it. The way you interact with everyone, you're thinking. A new command I give you. This is the new thing that's calling the shots in your life. This is the new thing that's the most important thing that supersedes all the other things. Jesus is saying this to his homies and his crew right before he takes off. And he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is essentially a shorthand version of the new covenant of Christ. You know? Jesus shows up and he flips everything upside down and, you know, it's this new way of life, new way of living. And he says, yo, here's the command. Here's how this thing works. Love people like I love people. He says, love people Like I've loved you love people. Like I love people. That's the new command. That's how you operate. That's how you live. That's how you decide things. That's how you respond to things. That's how you do life. A new command. I give you love one another. And when you do this, this is how they're going to know that you're my disciple just like I can walk around modern Jerusalem now and I can see all these different Jews that look different ways, doing different things, different practices, different dress codes, different ways that they're interacting with their kids and their families and women and all the different things, you can look at them and know what sect of Judaism they are. You can look at them and know what is going on and what they believe in, what they stand for. He says, listen, if you do this, this is how people are going to know. They're going to be able to look at you and know that you're my disciple for the way that you love people. That's the command. That's the standard. That's what's going to set you apart. That's how you're going to live your life, and people are going to know that you're my disciple. And so he says this, and, and, and he calls it, later in Scripture they refer to it as the law of Christ, which I'm going to get to here in a second. So there's this guy named Paul, right, who's a ch- church planner. comes you know, after Jesus, and he's starting all these churches all over the Middle East. Hey, worship Jesus, worship Jesus, follow the way. It's this great thing, whatever. Many of you guys have heard of Paul. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, right? And he's talking to them, He's talking to them about the rights of an apostle. This is what it looks like to be a leader in the church. This is what it looks like, you know, to, this is kind of what I've done and how I've ministered to people. And check out what he says, because it's very, very cool, and I think it's very, very applicable to where we are now. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible, which is a very, very, that's very strong language to use, to call himself a slave, a bondservant, and all that. That's, that's, That's a big cultural big deal. And he says, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like the ones under the law, though I myself am not under the law, as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under what? Christ's law. What he's referring to is this command. What's Christ's law? What's the command? See, the law back then was the Torah. It was the 613 things that you had to do, right? He says, though I'm not under that, I, don't, I haven't like, relinquished all authority from God. God still has authority in my life. It's just not that law. It's the, the law of Christ, which is to love people, right, like, like Christ loved us and like he loves everyone. He says, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. What Paul is doing here, Paul's saying, listen, I'm a Christ follower. Follow me as I follow Jesus, right? That's sort of his MO. That's how he sets up his ministry. That's how he shares with people. And he says, check it out. Here's the deal. He's talking through very distinct separate groups of people. He says, I go to the people who are under the law. Though I am not under the law, they are under the law. And I communicate to them in a way that they can understand. And he says, and then I go to the people who don't have the law. And I I, I have an authority. I have, you know, the law of Christ. But I communicate in a way that they can understand. And then I go to these people and I communicate in a way they can understand. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. He says, I'm able to do this because, he says, but I am under Christ's Law, here's the deal. This is this is what's so awesome. He's talking to distinct, separate groups of people that are defined by their beliefs. They're defined by their stance. They're defined by their views, right? They've put themselves into these categories and these boxes socially and politically and religiously. And he's they've done this. And Paul says, I can intermingle with every single one of these people. I can talk with each one of them where they are. You know why? Because I'm under Christ's law that supersedes all all of that. I love them like God loves me. Those things don't trip me up. I'm able to weave in and out of all of that junk because I know that I'm under Christ's law. I know that I'm called to love all of them just like God loves all of them. That's huge. That's huge for us within the context of this conversation. That's huge for us. People define themselves as Democrats. People define themselves as Republicans, as Libertarians, as as this, that, and the other. They define themselves. But if we define ourselves first as a Christ follower, not a Republican, not a Democrat, not the Tea Party, not whatever don't tread on me stands for. I see those flags. Don't know what they mean. It's like gun enthusiasts or something. I don't know. Who knows? Right? But it's like, Rather than defining ourselves by all of those, if we define ourselves as, hey, I'm a Christ follower, and that supersedes all those other things, then we can maneuver in and out just like Paul does here in Corinthians. He loves everyone the way Christ loves everyone. And it's crazy. The, the law of Christ is referenced again in like Galatians chapter 6 or something. Like that And it talks about how the law of Christ calls him to carry one another's burdens and carry each other. So it's not that he's just like, "Oh yeah, these people are idiots, I'm a Christian. I'm better than that, so therefore I can talk to everyone." No, he genuinely cares for them, carrying their burdens and going through the trenches with them, not allowing these boxes to define his relationships, not allowing these boxes to sort of limit his influence and his reach. And so the reality is, if you are a Christ follower, If you're a Jesus follower, if you call yourself a Christian or identify as a Christian, the law of Christ is our filter and lens for life. Not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, not who's in office, not who won this, that, or the other election, not which news channel you subscribe to. The filter and lens for life is the law of Christ, of saying... I'm going to love all people like God loves all people. I'm going to serve all people like God serves all people. My heart's going to break for all people like Christ's heart breaks for all people. I'm going to minister to all people like Jesus ministers to all people. I mean, think about how different things would be. And when that becomes sort of our filter for our life, when that becomes our filter for the way that we approach anything and everything in life, when things happen that go against the law of Christ, it should bother us. When things happen that go against this idea of loving all people, serving all people, being empathetic towards all people, when things happen that that go against that, it should trigger something inside of us that says, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, this is not okay. When things begin to happen, that go against that, and our filter is that. There should be like a, alarm going off saying, wait a second, this doesn't align with the filter in which I'm approaching life. This doesn't align with the worldview that I'm having. This doesn't align with my perspective going into life. Alert. Pump the brakes. Check this out. Is this really what God has called me to? Is this who God has called me to be? Does that make sense? That's huge. Because the reality is policy and platform and legislation and all that stuff, there's always going to be disagreement among Christians. There is, it's just the nature of it. Because we're humans, we have different opinions, we have different beliefs, and that's, that's okay. It's okay to have differing opinions and different ideas and different political parts. That's totally, totally, totally okay as long as we are mature enough to not allow it to divide us as long as we are mature enough to not allow it to divide us. To remember that we are citizens of heaven before we are citizens of the United States of America. That we're Christ followers before we're a party follower. We're Christ followers before we're a voter. Okay? It's, that, that's vitally important for us to wrap our heads around and a perspective for us to embrace. Because he, here's the reality. And this is, this is an interesting thing. We're always going to disagree. We're always going to have different ideas and opinions and thoughts and stances, and that's totally okay. How many of you guys have heard of this dude named Rufus Miles? Anyone, anyone heard of him before? Okay, cool. Um, he was this, like, government guy. <laughs> he was, like, a secretary for, like, the Kennedy administration, the Johnson administration, and... Whatever one was right there with those ones before I was even alive. I don't know. But um, he, was, he was a guy up in there, and he's got this thing called Miles' Law. Have any of you heard of Miles' Law? Yes, no, maybe so. Maybe once I say it, you'll, you'll, you'll have a, an understanding. Basically, it says this. And I was blown away when I came across this this week because it makes so much sense. And I wish that someone would just stand at the rooftops and scream this for everyone who's like on both polar opposite sides of this conversation. I wish someone would just say, listen, here's the deal. Miles' Law is this. Where you stand depends on where you sit. Where you stand depends on where you sit. And you're like, Sam, you're a moron. That makes no sense. Why are you so excited about that? Listen, check it out. Our cultural context is where we sit, Okay, Our cultural context is where we sit. Our perspective is where we stand. The stances that we take, the ideologies that we have, the things that we are so passionate about They come from a place. They come from your life, from your cultural context, from your some gathering of your experiences. Your perspective shifts, or or your perspective shapes your stance on things. And everyone has a different perspective, so everyone's going to have a different stance on things. Does that make sense? And so, why do we try to make everyone else have our stance on things? They don't have our perspective. They don't have our life experience. They haven't seen the things that we've seen or done the things that we've done. And we haven't seen the things that they've seen and done the things that they've done. And so we all arrive to these places at different places. And guys, please hear me out. That's okay. That's absolutely okay. But this is why, this is why many of us, most of us, all of us don't see any conflict with our faith and our politics. Because we believe our our politics are correct And they are in line with our faith because of our experiences, because our perspectives. But people who have different experiences and different perspectives come to different conclusions. And we need to realize that and say, oh, hold on, that's okay. Because our political perspectives, our political values and views are shaped by where we live. They're shaped by what we've seen. They're shaped by how we were raised, who we were raised around and who we were raised by. They're shaped by what we've experienced. They're shaped by where we were educated or if we went into higher education or not. They're shaped by what we've seen others experience. They're shaped by what we've been told. They're shaped by our socioeconomic class. They're shaped by the color of our skin. They're shaped by so many different things. And so where we sit shapes where we stand. And the reality is we need more empathy and understanding for where other people stand. Stop trying to win them over to come stand where you are, but have understanding and empathy with people on where they stand. Essentially this, if you are Republican, your Democrat brothers and sisters are not crazy. They're not crazy. They're not... What was that second hashtag? What was it? Devil's vessels, man. Okay? They are not devil's vessels. Listen, they just sit in a different place, and they see the world in a different way. Okay? If you are a Democrat, your Republican brothers and sisters are not crazy. They are not hashtag devil's vessels. Okay? They just sit in a different place, and see the world in a different way. But when we get this other mentality and this other polarizing thing, listen, there's this thing called fundamental attribution error. Has, has anyone ever heard of that? Yes. So it's like a psychological sociology, psychology terminology, that's a lot of ology words, um, that, that, that is used in that and that field a lot. And I came across it this week and I was like, man, this is, this is incredible. And this plays into it so, so hard here. See, here's the deal the idea of this notion is this, that we attribute other people's behavior to their character. We attribute other people's behavior to their character, but when we do the same behavior, we attribute our behavior to our environmental and circumstantials. Let me explain it in like words that even I can understand, okay? Um, When other people are late or consistently late, we look at them and we say, I mean, on our worst day, I'm not saying everybody, but, but a tendency would be that they're selfish. They're lazy. They're, they're unorganized. They're irresponsible. They're disorganized because they're always late. They can't get it together. And they're just, they're kind of rotten people, if you're honest. I mean, if they just got their life together, maybe they would be on time. But when we're late, we're late because we stopped to help somebody or we had to take care of the kids. And, you know, traffic was a little bit longer or whatever. And we're actually late because we're more responsible because we have more kids to take care of. And so, you know, I'm super duper responsible. That's why I'm late because I'm responsible for so many people and so many things and I'm so important. And so the same task is happening, but we project onto their character that they're this way, that way, and the other. But when we do it, we're like, oh, but no, it's like, it's like totally cool. Like it's, it's totally okay, right? It's this cognitive bias that we have, this bias in our head that jumps out and says, they're evil and I'm Okay? They're wrong, but when I do it, I'm not wrong. I'm totally cool. I'm totally okay with it. It, it, This is what it looks like and plays out as. The corrupt Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you're corrupt, and you're all socialists, right? And that's the way that it is. Because they're taking the actions of a few and projecting it on the character of the many. Or, or, the heartless Republicans, the heartless, they don't, care about, they don't care about people. The heartless Republicans, and they're all racists. They're taking the actions and words of a few and projecting it on the character of the many. And it divides, and it segregates, and it hurts, and it breaks, and it throws chasms between relationships and between people. But if we are mature, and we are emotionally intelligent and empathetic, we don't fall for that. We don't fall for that. We hear that statement and go, man, 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 man. That doesn't line up with the law of Christ. That doesn't line up with what this says that those people are devil's vessels and that they're hashtag pure evil. Like that doesn't equate to me that my alarms are going off. Hang on a second. I'm not getting roped into this fundamental attribution error. I'm not getting roped into this cognitive bias thinking that the other people are evil and my people are good, no matter which side of it you fall on. Empathy fights against that. Empathy combats that. Empathy and understanding shuts that down. You can fill in that little pause with whatever you want, but you know what I meant. It shuts it down, right? That's what empathy does. Political rhetoric, it feeds into it. The talking heads, they feed into that. Fear, separation, fear, separation, fear, separation. The others are this, the others are that, the others are this, the others. They're trying to divide. That's not what we are called to. That's not who we are called to be as Christ followers. We are better than this. We are better than that. And everyone will know that we're his disciples when we act better than that. Everyone will know that we are his followers because we don't Buy into that. Because we're not duped by that. We're not controlled or inspired or motivated or manipulated by that. Because just like Paul, we rise above that and say, yeah, okay, it's a thing and it's important and politics are important. I'm not trying to crap on that and say it doesn't matter because it matters. But our faith filter needs to be out front. Our faith filter needs to be first. We're a citizen of heaven first. First before any of the other stuff. We are called to see the world through the lens of the law of Christ. We are called to love people the way God loves people and God loves us. And so it's like, okay, Sam, I get it. I get it. That's the political climate. That's the culture. That's the situation. Thank you, Captain Obvious, for the last 20 minutes. So what's the way forward? I think the way forward in this is sort of threefold. I think the first thing that we can do is listen. I think that's the first thing we can do is listen. Listen to people who don't experience the world the same way you do. I think that would be huge for your political empathy. If you took time to listen to people who don't experience the world the same way that you do. And don't dismiss something Immediately, just because it's different. Don't write them off with these huge generalizations and, and, and don't attribute their behavior to their character. Just, just listen. Listen with open ears, an open heart, an open mind, and believing the best, not assuming the worst. Believe that the person who's different from you, they care about their family just as much as you care about your family. And they care about the things that are important to them just like you care about the things that are important to you. And they care about this country just like you care about this country. And they care about their kids' kids just like you care about your kids' kids. And they care about their job just like you care about your job. And they care about their finances just like you care about your finances. And they care about things just like you do. Don't come at someone and try and listen and say, hey, let me listen and then have your guns loaded ready to just ambush them and shoot them down the second they say something that you've pre-prepared to destroy. But actually shut up and listen. That could be huge. That's the the way forward in political empathy. Listen. Stop talking and typing so much. Listen. The second thing is to learn. Don't just listen, but learn. Learn. See, this dude named Sam Harris says, Pay attention to the frontiers of your ignorance. Be a student, not just a critic. Be a student, not just a critic. We're so quick to discount things that they don't fit into our flawed worldview. All of us have a flawed worldview because we're flawed people. And we arrive at our worldview from our sum total of our experiences. We are broken people, so we have broken worldviews. Okay? Just because someone has a different worldview than you doesn't mean that you can automatically just dismiss that. And how often do we ask ourselves the question, I don't see how anyone can believe that. I don't see, I don't understand how anyone could possibly behave that way. How could anyone vote that way? How could anyone be part of that group? How in the world, I don't understand how anyone could react that way. How could anyone think that's okay? We've asked ourselves that. We've said that in our heads. We've typed that out. We've, we, this is a conversation that we have with ourselves regularly. And let me give you just a little bit of a reality check. If you've ever said that or ever thought that, what you just did is you confess something about you, not them. When you say, I can't believe, I don't understand how someone could blah, 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 blah. I don't understand. How, all you are uh, confessing there is that you don't know and you don't understand something. So figure it out. Learn it. Don't just piss and moan. Do something about it. Actually have a conversation with someone how you don't, I can't understand how you could possibly vote for this person. How you could possibly believe it. Then go to that person and say, hey, can we have a real conversation? Because I want to know how you arrived at where you arrived. And then shut up. Don't sit there and wait for them to answer with your guns. <laughs> How'd you get there? Go ahead, say that one thing I'm super prepared for. And then they say it, and then you just ambush them and destroy them. Ha! I won that debate. It's like, whoa, we weren't, you asked me a question, this wasn't even a, no, if you truly want to learn, shut up and listen. Ask the questions and then listen. That's empathy. That's gaining understanding. That's growing together rather than separating apart. Take the time to learn because here's the deal, everyone's behavior makes perfect sense to them. Everyone's response makes perfect sense to them. Everyone's viewpoint makes perfect sense to them. Everyone's politics make perfect sense to them. And so if you can't understand how anyone could possibly be there, ask them. And have the humility enough to let them answer. And then maybe walk away and don't rebuttal. And say, okay, I get where you're coming from. I understand. I may not agree with what you're saying, I may not agree with your final outcome, but I can understand the steps it took to get you there. That's the beginning of understanding. That's the beginning of empathy. That's the beginning of growing in relationship. The third thing, we got listen, we got learn. You know it's another L word. I love alliteration, right? We got listen, we got learn, and then the third one is love. We should never burn a relational bridge over political view. We should never burn a relational bridge over a political view. Ever. Ever. If you're a Republican, you need to know that that Democrats are just like you. They're taking a stand based on where they sit. And, And if you're a Democrat, you need to know that the Republicans are just like you. They're taking a stand based on where they sit. When we went through this election cycle back in 2016, it broke my heart, man. We we had probably probably 20 or 30 people leave our church and not come back. And not that they left our church of like just our church, but they left like all the relationships they had in the church. And it's not necessarily because we stood up front and said anything ultra-offensive or any, you know, um, unless you're ultra-offended right now, then... Go find another church. Um, but we had, we had probably, you know, 15, 15, 20, maybe 30 people leave our church and leave, leave community and leave relationship because of side conversations having to do with politics, differing political opinions, and people saying things to hurt other people's feelings, and people saying things that, that made them feel like less than, or w- whatever the case may be. Relationships were broken hard around here last political cycle because we'd let... We let relational bridges burn over political views. And that's not, that that should never be okay with us. That should make that that should make that alarm go off in us. Am I loving this person unconditionally even though we disagree politically? Because politics are second to relationships. And so we should never, never, never burn relational bridges over political views. The way that, the way that some, somebody says it is that the you is always more important than the view. You know? You are somebody. The somebody is always more important than your broken political view that's probably going to change. Not pro- it's definitely going to change. Your political views are gonna come and go. They're going to change. I mean it's 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 historically proven. Did you know that Democrats and Republicans are not the only political parties, that they weren't even the two major political parties in America? How many of you in here are, are, are part of the Whig party? Exactly. It's a dead party that people gave their lives for those political views. Broke relationships for those political views that are now mute. Don't choose the view over the you. Don't break relationships over political views. And so maybe you're in here this morning and there's some things that, that we need to wrestle with. This is kind of a heavy conversation. It's a heavy talk. Um, but I think it's necessary in the climate that we're in, in the culture that we're in, for us to be reminded of, of, of what comes first and what's most important and how secondary things kind of work themselves themselves out. And So maybe you're in here this morning and you need to put your political filter Behind your faith filter. Maybe you need to make that swap. You need to make that switch, even if it's just in your head. Maybe you've gotten a little reckless and gone on Facebook and said some things and did some things and whatever, some things, and you think nobody in this church sees it, but we all do. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you've gotten to that point, but maybe you haven't. Maybe it's just like internally or whatever, right? Maybe you need to realize that your faith filter needs to go before your political filter. Maybe you need to realize that those are two separate things, that your faith filter and political filter are not one in the same, that your faith and your politics are not one in the same, because they are not, and they should not be. Okay? So maybe we need to have that conversation. Stop allowing your politics to shape your faith and allow your faith to dictate and supersede your politics. Maybe you're in here and that's the conversation you need to have. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to understand this whole law of Christ filter on your life. That this needs to be the filter in which you approach life. All things, all areas of life. The law of Christ that I'm going to love people like Christ has loved me. I'm going to love people like Christ loves people. I'm going to serve people like Christ serves people. My heart's going to be broken for people like Christ's heart is broken for people. The message of the gospel. I mean, the message of Jesus. The law of Christ. Maybe that needs to be the filter in which you approach life. And then people will know that you are a follower by that filter being applied to everything you do, everything that you are. Maybe you're in here this morning and you just need to spend some time listening. Maybe you need to stop typing and stop talking and stop reading and stop in, uh, do, whatever, doing all these different things that, that are, that are clouding everything. And you just need to listen with open ears, with an open mind, with an open heart, listening to those who are different from you maybe you need to spend some time doing that, maybe you're in here this morning and you need to learn, you need to pay attention to the frontiers of your ignorance realize where there's things you don't know about and you're assuming there's things that you don't know about and you're projecting on others maybe there's some things you don't know about that you're being a critic of maybe you need to work on being a student not just a critic can't understand why anyone would ever then figure it out Have that conversation. Spend some time listening and learning. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to love. You need to love all people like God loves all people. And you need to be reminded to never burn a relational bridge over a political view. Never burn a relational bridge over a political view because the you is more important than the view. Because remember the goal goal is that we can disagree politically and still love unconditionally. We can disagree politically and still love unconditionally. This series of empathy is huge. Cultural empathy last week, political empathy this week. Next week we're talking about theological empathy. Having understanding of where people are in their faith journey and how that kind of works together and plays together and how we should be empathetic of others. But guys, we are called as Christ followers. This is who we're called to be what we're called to do when we look at this first and approach politics second it really clears things up really makes it a lot easier to understand who god's calling us to be and what he's calling us to be so let's pray together god thank you for listening to the central church podcast we hope this has encouraged you inspired you and you experience life change if you are unable to attend our sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.